Now today, uh, I want to preach a message to you that uh, uh, I, I hope I can get it across the way that I feel it in my spirit. And uh, this morning in the uh, in the life group that meets in the fellowship hall, we sort of got over into the territory of this message this morning. So those of you that sat in that life group, I may repeat myself just a bit, but I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm just going to read just a couple of verses uh, this morning. And, uh, and then I want to preach to you, I think that is a message that is timely and important to all of us. Whether you're in this room or you're watching my Facebook Live, and or uh, if you're a if you're a born again believer, or if you've yet to believe, and we say sometimes that people are lost, and you are, but I'm speaking if you're yet to believe, because we're believe that I'm believing that you are going to become a believer. So, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses three and four. What Paul says is. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I want to preach to you this morning with the thought in mind, spending time in the garden. Father, we thank you for your presence. We worship you. We continue to praise you as we bow before your altar. And God, I just pray that today, Lord, that your anointing, your equipping, Lord, will be with us in this place. We know that you are here. And Lord, I just pray that I can bring this word in the manner that you would have it brought forth. And I pray for every person that will hear this word, Lord, that their ears would be open to what you have to say. And they would be responsive to the word that they hear. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus, giving you glory, praise, and honor. And the church said, Amen. The word paradise appears three times in Scripture. And all three times that you see, and that's, of course, referring to the uh, King James English. All three times that the word of paradise appear in Scripture is found in New Testament occurrence. Now, paradise to us mean, uh, to if we go around this room, paradise can mean a lot of different things. You know, Sarah and I have got hooked on these cruise vacations of several years ago, and and uh, we love them. By the way, it's uh, it's it's a great. Uh, I wouldn't say it's inexpensive, but it certainly is a cost-effective way to vacate. You can go on a cruise a whole lot cheaper than you can go to Myrtle Beach or even a week, even a week or even maybe a weekend in Pigeon Forge. And we, we love it. We, and, and you get to go to these islands and, and we went to one a few years ago and that, that it was an island where we, we were told that there were movies filmed and, and things and, and it was white sand and it was palm trees and it was hammocks tied in between the trees and it, it, you know it was it was really nice and it was lovely and they had coconuts on ice and they would take a drill and drill a hole in that coconut and put you a straw in it and you could you know suck the coconut juice right out of the coconut it was paradise you yeah. know 
And I, I enjoy that. I really do. We, we love it. But paradise to you may be something different. Paradise to you may be in a few weeks when the temperatures have dropped and the leaves are falling off the tree and you're hanging off the side of that tree in a, in a, in a tree stand waiting on your favorite buck to come along and you put the crosshairs on him and pull the trigger. That may be paradise to you. Paradise to you ladies, it could be, it could be getting to go to the latest home and garden show, the Christmas craft show, or you're, you're getting to go to those, all those Christmas shows, or maybe it's the Christmas specials that are, uh, coming on Hallmark TV. Paradise to us can be a lot of different things, but the reality of it is that paradise is derived from a Persian word or a Persian meaning that actually means a walled garden. And the kings of Persia were some of the most, still some of the most renowned kings that have ever existed on the face of the earth. And the Persian, a Persian king typically in the, in the palace, that Persian king would have a walled palace and, and around that palace that would exist the wall in the midst of that wall, the king, the Persian kings would typically have a garden. That garden would be adorned with great flowers and, and shrubs and, and, and different trees and plants and that, those Persian kings, which is a depiction of great wealth and royalty and notoriety, if you would, those Persian kings would go out and that's where they would spend their time in their garden, that secure garden with a wall around it. And they would go out and they would enjoy the fragrance of the flowers and perhaps the the mist of the morning or the, the coolness of the evening. And it is those in that place that was called paradise, which that's where the word is derived from again, that the king would go there and he would find comfort and peace and it was his quiet spot if you, you would and it was it was the place where all the cares and the troubles of their kingship would be put aside. But it was also the custom of these Persian kings to create or to achieve camaraderie. And and as has that king would Seek and desire camaraderie, you know, because when you, when you think about it, you consider it even in, even in the sense of unbelievers, people that are not yet saved. No person really desires that. Surely there's introverted people and there's people that, that, that are very, uh, secluded within their own personalities and their own being. But the truth of the matter is nobody really wants to be alone. Loneliness is a terrible thing. Loneliness is a harsh thing. Sometimes, sometimes you can be lonely and even though you're in a crowd. And I've been at that spot in, in my life before. But, but loneliness and, and seclusion is not a good thing. Most people, even though we maybe don't like to admit it and we may be introverted, but nobody likes to be alone. And the Persian king is known to, the Persian kings are known to have camarader, camaraderie and they would find people that 
people that they could bring into these beautiful gardens, the safe gardens with the walls around the city. And they would bring these comrades into the garden and there they would become dear friends, dearest of friends if you would. And they would become close close friends and, and the king would share with these people things that he would not share with anyone else. The king would spend time with these people in 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 an intimate setting, if you would, and in a means of of of, of confidence. He, the king could confide with his comrades in this garden. But not only would that king gain comrades and people that he could put the utmost confidence in, but what would happen in these Circumstances is the king would create a friendship that was unseverable. You see, in essence, that's what comrade means anyway. The king would find friendships that were un, uh, unseparable. He would make friends with people that, that would be lifelong friends that could never be separated from him. And those friends would come to that garden. That, that garden that was adorned with beautiful flowers and, and wonderful fragrances and, and, and beautiful trees and, and in the cool of the morning and in the cool of the evening, those friends would gather with the king and they would be in that garden and they would be behind that safe wall. That's paradise. That's paradise has derived in scripture. You see, and in that dwelling of that garden, the, the garden itself, what it, it signified was that the wall of the garden, the garden itself was a safe place from out, from all of the outside elements. Now just over that wall, there could be wars. Just over, from, over that wall, there could be their villains. There could be, there could be criminals. There could be murderers. There could be thieves. They could, there could be sex offenders. There, there, there could be people that have the intentions of destroying it. But that's on the other side of the wall. But on the inside of the wall is safety. So these people would receive personal nurturing by the king. These people would receive a, a nurturing that otherwise they would have never experienced had the king not sought their friendship and their camaraderie. These people would, would find themselves being most honorable friends of the king. The greatest man that was known in that land, per se. The, the, the greatest authority that was known in that area. The, the greatest of all people, the most esteemed of anyone that exists in the natural sense of that day, suddenly these people find themselves the most honorable friends. So, when we read Paul, and Paul is talking about a thorn in the flesh, and, and I believe it's intentional, I believe it's very purposeful that Paul does not disclose the thorn in the flesh. Some people have speculated it was his eyesight. Somebody once speculated it was women problems. I, hope, I certainly hope not. Uh, some people... 
people said it was physical and perhaps it was. But, but the thorn in the flesh is, is not really, really identified. And it's, and it's there just to buffet Paul, if you would, or to, 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 to keep Paul, uh, with his nose to the prayer grindstone, if you would. But the thorn in the flesh experience is what, in essence, took Paul into paradise. Paradise. That walled courtyard, that garden with the sweet-smelling flowers, that garden with the beautiful trees, that place that was green and fruitful and there probably wasn't any weeds. There probably wasn't any briars. There probably, there probably wasn't any, any, uh, mean rodents or, uh, snakes or anything else in this garden. The garden was, if you would, it was that, that perfect place. So, so the thorn in the flesh takes Paul into that garden, into that paradise experience. It's in that paradise experience that Paul, there, uh, he experienced the supreme love of the supreme king. Because it was the thorn in the flesh, whatever the difficulty may be, and I, to me, the thorn in the flesh, that statement in itself is, is almost like a fill in the blank. Because whatever your circumstance is, whatever my circumstance is, that, that I'm addressing every single day, or maybe it's reoccurring every single week, maybe it's only once a month, or Perhaps it's, it even stretches out to just every few years or so, I experience this thorn in the flesh. It's just like something that won't go away. But what it is, is the circumstance that brings us and presses us in to paradise. It brings us to where we enter into that garden place. We enter into the presence of God. And it's through those thorns in the flesh, through those experiences, that we then experience experience the supreme love of who God is in all of his fullness. You see, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that when all is going well in my life, I probably, even though, yes, I am experiencing the supreme love of God, I probably do not recognize the supreme love of God until something is going wrong in my life. When things are going bad, when things have got tough, when the thorn in the flesh, when the thorn is digging deep into the flesh, when the thorn is bringing blood, when the, when the thorn just simply is festering and it doesn't seemingly want to go away, that is when I truly, truly can identify with the supreme love of God because it's sustaining me. It's sustaining me. In ways that otherwise I probably wouldn't realize. You see, and Paul, I think Paul realizes again the walls of that city, the walls of that Persian courtyard. And I firmly believe that's what he's referring to. That's what is in his mind as we, we, we have derived this from that word, that the word paradise is that Paul not only is expressing the, the supreme love or the caregiving of the king, but he understands the protective covering that is on him. Because again, over top of that wall, over that wall are the, the villains. 
Over, over top of that wall are the parasites. Just over, over on the other side of that wall are the, are the ones that come to kill, to steal, and destroy. But because Paul has been taken into paradise, if you would, because Paul has entered into that place, Paul has now, even though he knows it's there and it exists, Paul has the confidence of knowing, I'm dwelling in the courtyard of the king. I'm dwelling behind the wall of the king. And as while I'm behind the wall of the king, I'm protected and I'm kept by his love. I'm kept by his providence. I'm kept by his mercy and I'm kept by his sustaining graces so see it's very important when we begin to look at Paul's experience that we realize that 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 Paul even though the thorn is in his flesh it's digging deep into the flesh the wound is it it, it just won't go away it's festered it's infected but, but but Paul says that he says he entered in he found himself in a place of paradise he said I he said but God knows was caught up into paradise he said where well, he heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell you see it was Paul's great love and his faithfulness in God it is Paul's experience that brought him into this great blessing and what listen and here's the thing about it you and I no matter what we're going through no matter what we're dealing with in fact even the more so the things that we are dealing with will bring us into a place of intimacy with God if we seek Him and we turn to Him and we lean on Him it's a thorn in the flesh it's digging deep into your side or digging deep into your to, 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 to your arm or wherever it may be deep into your mind that thorn in the flesh will bring you into that close place of deep intimacy with the King and when you're in the courtyard of the king, paradise, all is going to be a well. But then, that's speaking of those of, of faith, people of faith. We know we need to turn to God in, to God in troubled times, don't we? We know we need to, to yield ourselves unto the Lord when, when things get bad. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a, maybe a little bit difficult for us as believers but I want to take just a moment and touch on the person that has not given themselves over to faith. The person that has not yet believed in Jesus Christ. The person that has become overwhelmed. The person that has never turned everything over to God. What about that person? Do they have a place in this garden? Well, I, I believe so. I believe so because when I turn... When I turn to the New Testament, when I turn into the book of Luke, and as we read the gospel of Luke, we find that, that, and all of us know this scene, we all can relate to it, we've heard it most of the time at Easter time, but then Jesus said, then said the thief, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered and he said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. 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 The courtyard of the king. 
The place with the, the beautiful trees and the, the lovely bushes and the, the beautiful flowers giving off uh, just wonderful fragrances and, and, and everything is manicured. Everything is just right. There's a walled city around that courtyard, that the king's court. There's, it's a place of safety and it's a place that the king, uh, he wants to bring his friends in. He does bring his friends in and he has intimacy in the sense of an intimate relationship with them. So when we find that that what's different about these thieves, most of us know the story that Jesus is Jesus is hanging on a cross and he's in between two thieves and and the one thief has already ridiculed him and he's made fun of him and he said, you know, hey, if you, if you really are the Son of God, why don't why don't you get you know get go ahead and get yourself down? And he's probably no doubt thinking, why don't you just get us down with you if you're such such a great guy? But but and and, he, and he's making a mockery of who Jesus is. But then this other thief, this this other malefactor, he's saying he's saying, man. He said, man, I, 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 today, he said, today, can you remember me when you come into your kingdom? You see, the kingdom of God, that's where the courtyard's at. That's where the place of, of security is at. That's where the garden is at. That's where the wall is around the garden. And, and all of the, all the opponents, all of the assailants are on the outside. The, 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 the courtyard is where the flowers grow and the trees are blooming. The courtyard is where everything is green and everything is beautiful and the, and the water is cool and the, and the lemonade is sweet and, and everything is just wonderful in the garden because the garden is the king's. So what's the difference in these thieves? And you probably know this already, but just in case you didn't, is there's one thief that had a repentant heart. There's a thief that had a heart. His heart was turning. His heart had actually turned back to the Lord. Even before he uttered the words, Today will you remember me? There had been a heart change that occurred in that thief that hung beside of Jesus. So that is what brought an unworthy thief into the king's garden. Because we know he went into the king's garden because Jesus announced to him that today you shall be with me in the garden. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me behind the walls. The assailants will be on the outside. You will be with me where the trees are blooming, where the grass is growing, where the flowers smell great, and the lemonade is sweet, and the water is cool. You're going to be with me in that place of paradise. In other words, Jesus was saying to him, you're going to be my special friend. You're going to be, you're going to be my comrade. You're going to, you're going to be that person that I spend time with in the garden. You're going to be, and when you think about this, is this anything new? And this, going back to our life groups, those of you that were in the life group in the fellowship hall this morning, it goes back to the, it goes back to the experience or the time of Adam and Eve. When God created the garden, and he set that garden, we call it Eden, when he set Eden in place. And, and it, there he put Adam first, and then he made Eve out of the side of Adam. And, but God created that garden, and he had it safe. That garden was safe. That garden was secure. That garden had green trees. That garden had sweet water and sweet lemonade. That garden had beautiful flowers. That garden had everything that, that Adam and his newly found 
crown, wife, spouse, would, could, or would ever need. God would come down and He would walk with them and He would talk with them and He would spend time with them in the cool of the day. You see, that is the fellowship that God desires to have with each and every one of us. He desires to come down and walk in the garden or have us in His garden. But we know that Adam sinned. Humanity fell and therefore God takes them to the edge of the garden and He sends them out of that secure place. He sends them out of that place of utopia, if you would. And He guards Eden with flaming cherubims of fire. And then mankind finds himself outside of the wall. The good news is, there is a gate. Even though the Garden of Eden, I believe scripturally, I, I base my, my, in my studies, I think the Garden of Eden is still, is still being guarded. I think the gate is still sealed. I believe that someday it shall be opened once one more time. For all and all of eternity. But right now, there is a way to get back into the garden of God. There's a way to get back inside the walls. There's a way to get back where the grass is green and the trees are blooming and the flowers are fragrant. There's a place to get back where the water is cool and the lemonade is sweet, if you would. And that is to enter in through and by the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other way, but if we can enter in to Jesus Christ. You know, we used to sing a song quite a bit that says, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. There is no greater thing in the world that we can we can be called husband or wife, son or daughter, mom and dad, not to mention grandma or grandpa, but there is no other name that we could be addressed in this world that is meaningful as to say that I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I dwell in His presence. I walk in the garden. I talk in the garden. He is with me all the way. I'm inside the walls of His garden. I'm where the trees uh, bloom green and the grass is green and the lemonade is sweet and the water is cool. I'm in the presence of God and all of my assailants are outside. And we find ourselves sometimes struggling And as we find ourselves struggling, I want to go to Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, I'll read this verse of Scripture to you, verse 7, if you have your Scripture. The Scripture says, He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Let me read that to you one more time. Revelations 2 and 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The tree that was once forbidden to the overcomer is now made available. Accessible to he that overcome. Uh, and some of us in this room, some of you watching this morning, we all at different times, we have our struggles. 
We have our struggles. We have our difficulties. We have our hardships. We have the trials of life. Some of them are self-induced. Some of them are not. Some of them are just, are, are, is just, in, in the words of, of Ken Kingria, uh, one of our former bishops, Ken told me on one occasion, he said, brother, it's just life. And some of us are going through just life. Some of us are going through hardships. Some of us have gone through trials. Some of us, they're still yet to come. But understand this. Our struggles do not necessarily mean they're failures. Our struggles only become failures when we fail to address them through Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So all the struggles of life, they're... If we will just submit them to Him and we will release them into the presence of God, then He is going to address them. He is going to minister into them. He is going to take His friend and He's going to take His friend into the King's garden. He'll take us, His friends, into His garden where the trees are green, the grass is green, the flowers are blooming, everything smells wonderful, everything looks wonderful because everything is wonderful, the water is cool, the lemonade is sweet, everything, there's, there's no, there's no dark storm clouds, there's not any snow unless you like snow, uh, and no, there's nothing to go wrong, everything is good. Now listen to me, I'm not crazy, I understand, understand with me this morning, I'm not going crazy, I'm not lost, I understand even when we're Christians that we're serving Jesus, there are trials of life, there are temptations. There are things that go wrong in our lives. But what I'm saying to you, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on in your circumstance, no matter what is going on in my circumstances, there is a place that we can enter into with God because I am His friend. You are, if you are His friend, that He will take us into that intimate place and He will shield us and guard us, even though it may be surrounding us. Listen, when we enter in behind that wall of paradise, God will bless us. He will keep us. He will sustain us. Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh. He said, and it would not go away. God said, my grace is sufficient. Paul ended up in the presence of paradise and he experienced things that it's not even able to tell. Let me, let me ensure you of one thing. If you will enter into the presence of God, he will bless you. He will care for you. He He will wrap His arms around you. He will comfort you. He will encourage you. He will minister to you in ways that you never saw before. Simply by being His friend. Simply by being His friend. So, struggles are not failures except when we fail to address them in Christ. So Christ is our overcomer. Christ is our overcomer. Jesus Christ, Jesus is the one that gives us the right of way to enter the garden. Jesus, our friend, Jesus, the king. Jesus is the one that gives us the right of way to enter the garden. Jesus is the one that gives us the right of way to partake of the tree of life that's located in the paradise or the presence of God. So who's qualified? Who qualifies to dwell in the garden? Who qualifies to dwell in the garden? Well, let me see. Uh... 
probably the hurting servant. That, 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 that person that has been through so much in life. Maybe, may, maybe, maybe the king's just looking for people that have had a hard way to go in life and he's going to ask them to come over and walk with him and talk with him in the cool of the day, in the mist of the morning. Or, or maybe it's the, could it be perhaps that one that's unthankful? That, 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 that person that's unthankful. They're unholy. They're self-centered. They're conceited. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, that person. Nah, we, we, we don't think that's going to happen, do we? Nah, no, 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 no. No, that's not going to happen at all. Uh, maybe it's that person that's walking in disobedience. But surely the king is not going to ask that person that's walking in disobedience to come over and, and visit him in the garden, have a cup of tea or have a cup of coffee. You know, for me, it'd be, uh, you know, crack open a nice cold diet Dr. Pepper. You know, no, 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 no. It's, it's not going to be that person that's walking in disobedience. Oh, but it would, it would be that faithful person. It'll be that faithful person. It's going to be that person who went to church every Sunday, prayed three times a day, read their scripture every day, went through devotional, paid their tithes. It's going to be that faithful person. That's who is going to get to dwell in the garden. Ah, well, but maybe it's the one with all the talent. The one that can sing and he can, or she can play and she can lead worship, or he can lead worship. He can direct Bible school, direct vacation Bible school. Maybe it's going to be a person with all of the talent. I know. I got the answer. It's going to be the one with all the money. The one with all the money. That's who's going to get to go in the garden. That's who's going to get to enter into that place. But the reality of it is, none of those things qualifies to go into the garden. None of those things are qualifiers to lead us into the place that the king has for us. None of those things are going to lead us into that place where we're inside the secure walls and the green trees are budding out and the grass is growing and the, the flowers are giving off their springtime fragrance and, and everything is beautiful, everything is wonderful, the lemonade is sweet and the water is cool. Uh, none of those things are going to give us passage into that garden. But the only, the one and only way to enter the garden was in the literal sense of a Persian king or in the sense of the spiritual sense of us in the spiritual realm the only way to get to enter the garden was by the invitation of the king the invitation of the king somebody said well I can I'll get saved whenever I want to well, that, there, that, that's some, there's, is some truth in that, but you may not always want to. Well, I can get back to God whenever I want to. There may be some truth in that, but you might not always want to. You see, the only qualification, the only way to gain entry, if you would, was by invitation of the king. And I have great confidence in knowing that today, today, whether you're, you're just going through things, you're going through a tough time.
If you're here and you've not been saved and you need to get your heart right with the Lord, or if you just need to renew yourself, I'm a firm believer of this. The king's offering an invitation today. The king of all kings. You see, kings, the kings of Persia, they came and they went. But the king of all kings. He wasn't voted in and he can't be voted out. He's eternal, so he's never going to die. The king of all kings is saying, Hey, AK, I want you to come over and be in my garden with me. I want you to be my friend. The king of all kings, he's saying, Hey, Dana, I want you to come over and be in the garden with me. I want to spend some time with you in the cool of the day. He's saying, John and Millie, I want you to come over. Be in the garden with me this morning. Let's have, let's have a good cup of coffee. Let's talk about things. He's saying, he's saying, Scott, I want you to come over. I want you to, I want you to spend some time in the garden with me. There's walls around the garden. Everything's safe in my presence. Everything's nice in my presence. The trees are in bloom. The grass is growing. The flowers are fragrant. The water is cool and the lemonade is sweet. I want you to come over and spend some time with me. You see, he's calling us. He's calling us to come in his presence. You just don't barge into the king's garden. You know, if you try to climb across the wall, you would be an intruder and the king would probably, he'd have you removed. You probably would be killed by, in the natural king's world, you would be, you would be killed right there on the spot or imprisoned for the rest of your life. But, but the king that I'm talking about, his, the front door is open. The front gate swung wide. And he's saying, hey, I want you to come in. I want you to be my friend. I desire to have communion with you. I desire to have camaraderie with you. I desire to have intimacy with you. I desire for you to share things with me that you've not shared with anybody else. I'll reveal things with to you if you'll come in and you'll be my friend. We'll have supper together. We'll be blessed together. But I just want you to come on in and be a part of my garden. That's who Jesus is. He's the king. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. As you bow your heads and your eyes are closed, I want to ask you, first and foremost, is there anyone in this room right now that's never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You've never made a commitment to Him. You've never been saved. Let me tell you something, the greatest invitation. You may have been invited to the greatest party. You may have invited, you may have been invited to the White House. You could might have been invited to the governor's mansion. But there is never such an invitation that's been offered to you as to enter into the king's garden. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed right now, I'm extending to you that. On my, as a messenger of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I extend to you an open invitation to come into the King's Garden today. If you're here in this room and you've never been saved, I want to ask you today, would you like to be? Without embarrassing you at all, would you raise your hand? Anybody in this room? Is there one? Is there a person in this room that says, Pastor, 
I've been saved, but I need to rededicate my life. I need renewed. I need strengthened. I've let, I've let the intimacy that I had with God, I've let it wane. I've let it, I've let it grow cold. I need, I need to renew that. I need to regain that. Is there one person? Thank you. Thank you. Is there any, uh, any other hands? I need to regain. I need to renew my intimacy with you, God. One last call this morning before we come to pray. I want to ask you, if you're here and the thorn is dug deep into your flesh, the wound is festered. If you're here this morning and it just seems like that you're getting no relief. encouraged because I believe God is wanting to take you into a new place, into a new something. But even if He doesn't take you into a new something, I want you to be encouraged today that in the garden everything is safe. In paradise everything is good. Everything is well. If you're here today and you're battling, you're battling... It doesn't say that you're unsaved. It doesn't say that you're backslidden. But if you're battling a battle in your mind, in your flesh, in your physical body, if you are battling a a battle in your spirit right now, the king is saying, come on into the garden. Let's spend some time together. If you need to go to the garden because you're battling, would you just let me know by raising your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is what I want to ask you to do right now. Everybody that can and will, I want you to come up here and let's begin to assemble around this altar. You can stand, sit, kneel. You can stretch out in the floor. Is is okay. But I want us right now to gather in close proximity around this altar and we begin to pray. I don't want you only to pray for yourself, but I want us to begin to pray for one another. Can you join me up here right now? Anybody and everybody that will. Those of you that slipped up your hand, especially I encourage you to come and find yourself in a place to pray. Everybody. That-